I think a lot of people or almost everyone that, that walks into a martial arts school has a really good idea of, of where they would like to be. They also generally know quite well what their limitations are and what the things are uh, that are stopping them to get there. The thing that a lot of people really struggle with is those smaller steps in between. So they, they know the start point and they know the end point, uh, but they're not sure on you know the thing they should they should focus on first. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're gonna dig this. Oh uh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Check check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of martialartsmedia.com, George Faree. This podcast episode is the audio version from a video that was published on martialartsmedia.com. For the full episode, to download the transcript and get all the show notes, head over to martialartsmedia.com. Enjoy. Cool. Hey, this is George and welcome to another Martial Arts Media Business Podcast. Today, I'm chatting with a good friend of mine, Sam Broughton. Now, fortunately enough, I speak to Sam pretty frequently, part of our Partners program where we work with school owners and help with a bit of lead generation and marketing and so forth. And so we chat on a frequent basis, but I really wanted to bring Sam on just because he's a, a wealth of knowledge, lives in a very small town of Port Lincoln, which if people say they live in a small town and they can't reach a market, Sam is about to squash that whole idea as well. And yeah, we've got some interesting things to chat about. So hey, welcome to the pool, Sam. Thanks very much, George. Cool. So just to kick things off, if you could give us a, just a bit of a background, who is Sam? How did you get into martial arts and how did your whole journey evolve? Okay, cool. So as you said, I run a martial arts school here in Port Lincoln. Uh, I teach stand-up self-defense, uh, Muay Thai, and some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I started martial arts around 20 years ago now when I was 14 years old, training in, in stand-up. I was training in uh, Zendokai. Uh, I always, always wanted to do some martial arts, but it was something that I wasn't sure whether I'd be able to do. Um, I actually have a physical disability called cerebral palsy that affects my legs, balance, coordination, that kind of thing. So I was always inspired by uh, martial arts movies, Bruce Lee, the same kind of stuff most people uh, get into martial arts for initially. But I, I just needed to find the right uh, open-minded instructor uh, that was that was willing to take me on. And from there, I never looked back. Awesome. Cool. And we'll chat a bit more about that. But just, I guess, just to touch on the business side of things. So it's, uh, and just for everyone listening, it's Spectrum Martial Arts, Spectrum with a, with a K. I want to backtrack more into your journey, but I mean, how do you find running a school in a smaller town? Is, are there certain challenges that you are aware of? Or is it just, Hey, this is just the way it is. And we just do what we do either way. The, the obvious challenge, uh, I guess, would be the, the population density. Uh, we've got about 16,000 people in Port Lincoln itself and some smaller, like, outlying communities. There's definitely that as a challenge. But I guess the other thing, too, is less competition. We're the only full-time school here. Initially, I always thought of the, the population thing as a challenge. But then when I actually looked at, you know, the, the amount of students that I, that I needed and that I, that I envisioned for my business and the actual percent of the population that that was, that made it seem like a, a much more manageable task. 
Okay, so you started martial arts when you were 14. Yeah, that's right. right. Okay, having the whole, uh, the, the disability, cerebral palsy, how did you overcome that to actually take that step? Were there uh, sports and things that you did before you got into martial arts or how did you go about that? There was some, some sports I tried, uh, some team sports and different things. And some of those experience were, experiences were good, some not so good. But I think the, the thing that really, um, that really kind of pushed me in my childhood to try things was the, the way I was raised. I've got a, a twin brother that I grew up with and an older sister, but especially having a twin brother, uh, he was fully able-bodied. So while he wanted to ride push bikes and climb trees and, and do all those normal things, I just kind of followed along behind and just found my own way to do it. Uh, and my mom, especially, she, uh, she never really wrapped me up in cotton wool, although she probably wanted to. Uh, she never told me I couldn't do anything. Um, she always just encouraged me just to give it a go, modify things where I needed to. And uh, I got pretty good at, at kind of finding a different way to get the same result. All right. So in your experience, like what type of challenges did you face just, you know, I mean, up until the, you know, before the whole martial arts thing even started, like what type of challenges do you face just on a, you know, on a day to day, just getting through things and especially from the childhood stage? Yeah, I had a bunch of surgeries, uh, corrective surgeries uh, as a kid. So there was definitely that. Lots of rehab, learning to walk again, those kind of things, in and out of hospital. I had to be um, very, very focused uh, and very disciplined working through all my all my rehabilitation. So that was tough. I was the because of those things, I kind of stood out at school because quite often I was I was in a wheelchair or I had plaster or walking sticks and those kind of things. So that was a little bit tricky. Always, you know, explaining to people uh, what was going on. You know, getting getting looks from people in the street and all that kind of thing. I grew up with, and you know, everyone's always asking the was asking the question, especially kids who who don't necessarily understand. Uh, oh, what's happening with your legs? How come you walk like that? All, all that sort of thing. Most people were just genuinely curious, um, so I got pretty good at handling that. Uh, and then obviously I had a little bit of the, um, more so, you know, discrimination, derogatory type things. That was mostly a minimum. I think too, because I had a, you know, I had a pretty, pretty tight circle of friends around me. They kept a lot of that out of the way as well. I would just think that would be probably the toughest thing to handle as a kid, you know, bullying as in a big sense, you know, people getting bullied about just simple things. And for you, you actually have a real challenge. You know, it's not like someone's laughing at you or, Hey, because you know you've got a booger wiped on your nose, on your shirt, or you know what I mean. It's not like something that yeah, yeah. Like just something happened in the embarrassing moment. Like you've got a real thing that you've got to deal with every day, and you kind of got to make peace with that. It's it's not really going away. I guess you were fortunate. You were saying that you had a family that really supported you and so forth. How do you find that you know people in general with your situation actually deal with that? How do you really overcome all those those type of challenges? Well, for me, I was born like this. It, it might have been different if I, you know, was, was fully able-bodied and, and then there was some kind of accident that caused me to be this way. But I was always like this. So it was my, um, you know, it was my everyday life from, uh, from day one. So I was used to, you know, finding different ways to do things and overcome challenges and things like that. I struggled quite a bit when I was younger, understanding uh, sometimes why people would treat me different. Because you know this was this was normal for me. It was was everything yeah. um, that I'd ever had. And I, when people talked about, oh, you're um, you know you've, you've got a disability, you're, you know, or you're not the same as everyone else, that kind of thing, 
I didn't really understand that as a kid because I was kind of like, well, I'm just like you. This is the way that I've that I've always been. But then, as I said, on the other side of that, I had a lot of um, a lot of people encouraging me, helping me along, willing to work with me. Sometimes modify group activities, you know, so I could be included and things like that. So it was definitely a challenge, especially as a kid, but uh, you know, one that I that I worked hard to overcome. Yeah. Amazing. So let's walk into the martial arts space. So um, you built up the courage to start start martial arts. How did that then evolve and get going? I was fortunate enough to have a to have a really good instructor from day dot that was just happy to uh, just happy to basically have me along to class um, and see what I could do. You know, he was really open to just sort of assess me on my own merits and not really rule me out of you know doing any kind of activity. He just you know, it was happy for me to give everything a shot. You know, I progressed through belt gradings and things like that by, you know, by showing my knowledge of the syllabus and the requirements and demonstrating what I could. And as I become a little bit more advanced, a little bit more experienced and got into helping out with a little bit of teaching for the techniques that I couldn't do, you know, the, the high kicks and, and things like that that I couldn't physically demonstrate, uh, he started getting me to uh, to teach those to to lower to lower level students to help show that maybe I couldn't demonstrate the technique physically, but I certainly had the understanding. And as long as he knew that you know through a combination of being able to physically demonstrate techniques like most people would, but also teach them and show that I had the understanding of of the things that I couldn't do, uh, he was always happy to to grade me and, and help me progress in that way. Got it. And sorry, what was his name again? Andrew Adrians. Andrew, Andrew, and from which school? Just so we give him. Um, he runs a Azindo High School in Port Augusta in South Australia, which is about three and a half hours from where I am now. Okay, cool. So you, you started off in Zendo Kai, and you now um, what's what's your main focus in martial arts at, at this point? Still Zendo Kai, or I, I know you also still, do jujitsu. Yeah, still teach a lot of stand up classes. Also do some Muay Thai kickboxing within that as well. And probably for the last 10 years or so, quite a bit of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. All right. So now, I mean, we, we talk about the challenges, but I mean, where do you feel you have an advantage? Because I'm sure that, yep, there's, there's the challenges, but you have to approach things on a whole different level. How do you go about that? Definitely advantages is definitely the area that I've kind of been focused on most of my life. You know, I don't think born the way I am, I never really had anything kind of taken away. So I, I didn't really understand what I was missing. But as I got older and definitely got into the, the martial art, I started to understand how I could use what I had. I had quite a lot of upper body strength from having to push myself around in wheelchairs and, and pull myself along and use my arms where I couldn't use my legs. So that was definitely an advantage. And anyone that, uh, that knows me well will also tell you how stubborn I am. I uh, don't don't give up easily, and I think that's a really good byproduct of having a lot of challenges thrown at you early in life. And probably the other thing that I alluded to a little bit earlier is I couldn't just demonstrate techniques and you know maybe kind of bluff my way through showing understanding like that. I really had to be able to uh, verbalize the technique and be able to you know explain it in fine details for a student that had no idea what I was talking about or that I couldn't even give a physical demonstration of the technique. I had to be able to explain those techniques in words, try to get that result, that technique into the student without maybe having to rely on a physical demonstration. So I had to really 
learn how to break things down and verbalize techniques really, really well. I like that. I mean, how do you really go about that? Is it just really super intense focus of, well, look, I've got to, I've got to look at something and I've got to break it down. Do you have like a process you, you go about it or? You know, obviously I start by, you know, by looking at the end result of the technique. You know, that's obviously the thing that I, that I need to make happen. And then I sort of try to backtrack and look at, you know, what are the working parts of that technique that made that thing happen? Um, and how can I use, you know, my, uh, my arms and sometimes my legs to, to some extent to try to get that same result. So I needed to really understand how a technique actually works to get me from, you know, the, the point I am to the, to the point that I'd like to go to. All right. That's done both with your own training and then with the teaching. Okay. Let's just start with other instructors. If you had to speak to other instructors that were, had to teach people that are in the same situation as you are, how would you go about actually educating them of how to do that properly? Yeah, I would say, uh, first of all, just, just be open and, and take the student as they come. Let them tell you what they think they maybe can and can't do. They've lived with, you know, their particular challenge their, their whole life. Uh, so they're very aware of, um, what capabilities they have and also ways that they can modify techniques. It's really a, um, a collaborative effort because as an instructor to have a student with a disability, you, they can't necessarily follow that same path, those, those same lessons, that same even syllabus to, to some degree. They're used to using on all their other students. It's really a collaborative effort of, okay, usually I would teach this technique. Let's see how that would work for you. You can't quite make that happen. But as an instructor, kind of try to work out where those students' strengths are, what they, what they can and can't do, and then use their, you know, their martial arts knowledge to try to get that, that student to the same point. Like I said before, I think one of the things that everyone focuses on the, the disability because it's obvious, because you can see it. But it's not until they get to know the person that they start to realize, oh, no, hang on, um, they've got all these other, you know, kind of extra attributes because they've been through that early in their lives. Do you have anybody that you teach that's in the same situation? Yeah, I've got two, I've got two students at the moment that have cerebral palsy, a little bit different to my own. I've got one student that has what's called hemiplegia, which is a little bit different to me. My cerebral palsy just affects my legs. His cerebral palsy is down one side, so it's one arm and one leg. He does a lot of jujitsu and some stand up as well. So his grips are a lot different. Um, his, you know, his ability to, to make a fist and fine motor skills with lapels and things like that with jujitsu is a little bit more challenged than most. Um, and his, you know, his ability in, in striking is a little bit modified, kicks and things like that. Uh, so that's an interesting problem for me as a coach. I've also got a student actually had sepsis and doesn't have, uh, doesn't have a hand. And actually has no feet as well. So that's a really, wow. uh, really interesting challenge for me. For you, you've had support, even having the support, it's a tough road to walk, right? Now, let's say you have somebody that inquires about martial arts. Maybe you've got a parent listening to this and the parent doesn't have the, the faith in their child, you know, that it's, it's coming from the top almost that they just, you know, maybe they feel challenged by the situation themselves. You know, they've got, got a child and they, they don't know if the child can do this and they, potentially fearful for themselves that they're going to create hardship for their child because they're going to put their child in a situation. Perhaps they're not going to cope with it or, you know, they, they're going to have those obstacles. How do you have that mental conversation? How would you have that mental conversation with someone? And let's say, um, you know, if, if not that direct, but if someone had to actually walk into the school and uh, 
they were toying with the idea of martial arts. It's a really interesting conversation because, like I said, every student, uh, every child's different anyway. Yeah. Um, and then you, you know, you put a disability on top of that, you know, and you, then you just add that that difficulty, you add that complexity. Um, but I think it's it's got to start with you know an openness from the parent, um, just to you know allow their their child to have a go and just see what they can do because they can get the the same things that are out of martial arts that, that anyone else can, but obviously the path's going to be a little bit different. And I think it's a definitely a big mindset challenge on on the student's part to understand that there's going to be challenges, there's going to be obstacles, there's no sort of cookie cutter path that, that they can follow that's going to lead to sort of X result. But if they're willing to, you know, put the time in, put the work in and kind of do that collaborative journey uh, with their instructor, then uh, they can definitely reach the same result and milestone. Perfect. And if you had to say that to someone directly in your shoes, what would you say to them? You know, if they're having the challenges and thinking, oh, could I, should I, shouldn't I, and having those those doubts and that resistance. And it's so funny, we, we have this conversation and I think it's, it's something I can ask almost anyone, right? Because a lot of people, when they before they start martial arts, they've got this, and now it almost feels like this imaginary obstacle, right? They've got this obstacle that they don't want to start because of X, Y reason, which is fractionally so small, you know, in comparison. How would you have that conversation with someone in, directly in the similar shoes to you? Yeah, well, you know, we talk a lot about um, future pacing when we're talking about sign-ups and intros and things like that. And I think a lot of people or almost everyone that, that walks into a martial arts school has a really good idea of, of where they would like to be. They also generally know quite well what their limitations are and what the things are uh, that are stopping them to get there. The thing that a lot of people really struggle with is those smaller steps in between. So they, they know the start point and they know the end point. Uh, but they're not sure on, you know, the thing they should, they should focus on first. And some of the problems too, or limitations that they might have might seem quite big and they, they don't know how to tackle them. They don't know, you know, what small steps that they need to focus on. So I think that's really important. Creating a, a start point and an end point, but a lot of small steps, as many as that student needs in order to be able to sort of make that journey. Cause again, it's not a cookie cutter approach, but if you were to think of one or two situations where you could, install confidence quickly somebody starts and you've you've painted this future pace and you've painted this journey that this is where you want to go this is how we're going to go is there something that you can do that's the quickest confidence builder in that situation to install some confidence to move forward yeah most definitely i would say definitely focus on what you can do and not what you can't do and often when you do that some of those things that you can't do i found those problems kind of they solve themselves or you find ways around them quite easily. I think uh, jujitsu for me has been a, a massive example of that. There was tons and tons of techniques when I started as a white belt that seemed like I'd, I'd never be able to do them for lack of motor skills or flexibility, things like that. And of course, a lot of people have that in jujitsu because a lot of the movements, they're quite foreign and they're not uh, relatable to things that we do as humans in everyday life. You know, it was a little little extra for me and there was a lot of techniques that I just kind of ruled out from day one. Well, I, I won't be able to do that and I won't be able to do that. Now, with 10 years experience and a purple belt, finding other ways to do those techniques is something that I actually really enjoy and something that I'm bringing a lot of stuff into my game now that I 
that I never thought that I'd be able to do when I stepped on the mat as a white belt on day one. So if you give it a little bit of time and you, you build up that little bit of experience and knowledge and you become almost like your, your own coach to some degree because you, you know your own body and you also know a little bit about the martial art, you know a little bit about the system, you can start to you know develop those techniques and then run them back through your instructor a little bit as a, a little bit of a filter. Gotcha. Now, you still train Zendokai and Jiu-Jitsu, right? So, you, you, I know you're teaching both and you're still actively training both? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, so on the Jiu-Jitsu side, who's helping you with that journey at the moment? My Jiu-Jitsu instructor is John Will. I don't think I could have chosen a, a better Jiu-Jitsu coach for myself personally um, because he's been 100% invested, uh, 100% willing to, uh, to you know, do this journey side by side with me. He enjoys actually trying to solve the problem that me and my disability kind of uh, present. So as, as a coach, he's, he's really into that and he's really into uh, finding ways to get those same results for me as he would for any other student. That's definitely something that he's, that he's taught me as well, to have that kind of mental analytical type approach, really look at breaking the technique down into its working parts and really try to understand what's happening and re-engineer or reverse engineer the technique, you know, to fit me. Awesome. And, and I know, because the other day we jumped, just before we jumped on a call, you were actually chatting to John via, via Skype. So with you being a different location, I, I take it you travel a lot, but is there also a lot of things that you really, in your case, break down, uh, you know, just on, on like Skype chats and things like that? Yeah, he's, um, luckily for me, um, John Will, you know, he's made himself super accessible for me. I travel over to Geelong to train with him face to face quite often to, you know, to train with the students at his school. They're always great. They, they really look after me when I go over there. Uh, but we also do a, a Skype lesson every fortnight, which is ultra cool. He'll, uh, he'll be the other side of the camera explaining techniques, breaking them down and, and coaching me through them. Uh, I'll be on the mat, uh, with a training partner and working through those techniques sometimes with, uh, you know, He'll have a partner on his end and I'll be, you know, watching a physical demonstration and, uh, and following, you know, the, the verbal instructions as well. And other times, uh, he'll quite literally just be uh, basically on his couch in his lounge room um, talking me through the techniques step by step by step. And, you know, it's just that he knows me well enough as a student, know what I'm able to physically do, and he knows his techniques, you know, inside out. He can talk me through exactly, you know, what I need to do to make those techniques happen. And even sometimes I'll say to him, oh, I've got an idea about this technique. Can I show you? And we'll break the technique down and look at the pros and cons um, of what I've, you know, kind of thought of or come across to do in a given situation. And he'll do the same. Sometimes he'll say, oh, I've got this technique that might be really good for you. Let's try it. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't quite work, but we always end up with, uh, with something we can take away from it. Fascinating stuff. Okay, awesome. Sam, so great to, to really speak to you on, on this level and getting to know your real story, you know, how you evolved and got into the whole martial arts journey. Before we wrap things up, I mean, um, you, you're running a really successful school, Spectrum Martial Arts. You're doing really great things. What's known as a, like you said, there's 16,000 people in the town. Any advice you would give to someone in that same situation that's, that's running a small school in a small town or a smaller market? There's definite advantages with word of mouth, with being known in the community on a face-to-face -face kind of basis. It's probably much easier in a, in a small community to build up a little bit more of like a public kind of a profile than maybe it would be in a, in a larger community. 
And I think focus on your strengths and focus on how you can maybe diversify what you offer a little bit. Uh, obviously, as I said, we offer uh, three different martial arts styles. So that was part of the reason that I decided to branch out from just doing stand-up to start doing some jiu-jitsu as well, just to, just to cater for that market. It made it a little bit easier for me to open a school and kind of cater for, for a more varied part of the population than if I maybe just did just the one martial arts style. Be realistic about the kind of numbers that you're going to get, but also understand that, uh, and this is one thing that we did early on that was really good for me with you, George. I worked out that to have uh, to have my goal number of students at my school, that was only 2.3% of the population of Port Lincoln. So 16,000 seems like a really small pool to, to work with in terms of marketing and a student base and things like that. Your total number that you'd be happy with um, with your school pumping and you work out that it's only 2.3% of the population, it, it makes it seem much more doable. Yeah. Love that. Awesome. Hey, Sam, thanks so much for being on. If anybody wants to reach out, uh, have a chat either about your school, business, getting started, if someone's listening in Port Lincoln or uh, somebody that's, you know, has a disability and got this mental challenge of, do I start? How do I go about it? If somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? I'm more than happy to help uh, anyone wherever I can. Uh, they can either look me up on Facebook, Sam Broughton on Facebook, or feel free to message me on my school's page, Spectrum Martial Arts. Awesome. Thanks for listening. If you want to connect with other top smart martial arts school owners and have a chat about marketing, lead generation, what's working now, and or just have a a gentle rant about things that are happening in the industry, then I want to invite you to join our Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group and in there I share a lot of extra videos and downloads and worksheets, things that are working for us when we work, help school owners grow and share a couple of video interviews and a bunch of cool extra resources. So it's called the Martial Arts Media Community and an easy way to access it is if you just go to the domain name martialartsmedia.group. So martialartsmedia.group, G-R-O-U-P. Uh, there's no .com or anything, martialartsmedia.group. That will take you straight there. Uh, request to join and I will accept your invitation. Thanks. I'll speak to you on the next episode. Cheers. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.